Welcome to How Science Happens, a podcast by Wally Paxton, DJ So, and Doug Tree, professors at Brigham Young University. In the podcast, we bring you stories of cutting-edge science as told by world-class scientists and engineers from around the world who are on the front lines doing the work. We explore the highs and lows of discovery and what makes science such an exhilarating and frustrating process for those who do it. And because we're nerds, maybe we'll even learn a little science along the way. Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, our another episode about how science happened. Uh, my name is DJ Sell, and I am with my co-host today, with, who is Wally Paxton. Hello. And also with Doug Tree. Hello. All right. Today, we are very excited to have Dr. Jaehun Chan on the podcast with us today. So Dr. Jaehun Chan, who is with us today, is a senior research scientist at Pacific Northwest National Laboratory for the past 12 years. He's also an affiliate professor, Levitch Institute in the Department of Chemical Engineering at CUNY, City College of New York. So he received a PhD from Cornell University on colloid dispersion. So he has a numerous awards. So he is a very stellar uh, kind of achievement in this research. So I'm really excited to have you, uh, have Dr. John here. So John, it is really great to have you here today. Thanks for time taking time out of your busy schedule to be here today. So what about you, greet everybody, Dr. John? Yeah, hello everyone. So I'm <laughs> Jehun. So it's a good hey, to it's be good here. to have you here. Yeah, nice to good have you here. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to prepare this podcast, I have read your uh, uh, CV. So I noticed that you're originally from South Korea. So yes. so where is it? South Korea is not as big as uh, the United States, but where would you call your hometown is in South Korea? Yeah, my hometown is Seoul. Ah, okay. Yes. This is a famous, big famous city. city. Yeah, that's famous. <laughs> I've heard of that one. <laughs> yeah. So, do you? So, I'm also from Seoul, South Korea, mm-hmm. but I live nearby the border between the Seoul and near, nearby province. So, my basically my childhood was like more like the suburban city, with the field and the frogs and the cockroaches and things like that. How was yours, Jim? <laughs> Yeah, that's similar because our family is not rich, so we need to be uh, around the suburban, right? So then it's mm-hmm. cheaper price, at least mm-hmm. still in Seoul, right? <laughs> <laughs> so did you go to the mountains and fields? Yeah, and so we tra- are very close to the mountain. Essentially, there's my hometown is in the north area, but it's actually moved to the very south area. Which is close to Seoul National University. Yeah, so there's a lot of mountains around here. So I basically went, uh, uh, they went to mountain pretty much every day for walk. With, with, with your friends? And- yeah, with my friends, with my grand, uh, grandparent, uh, grandfather, mm-hmm. and also a lot of the outside in the in the winter or outside the skating area which ah. like there is a, some small creek others and then there's i mean they're naturally frozen so it's having a lot of fun with friends 
And you yeah. do ice skating out there? Yeah, ice skating. Yeah, cool. And sledding too. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. sort of natural. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, they. Yeah, we, we, we don't need to pay, right? That's natural one. That's <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I went. I went to graduate school in uh, Minnesota. It, okay. They used to just open up the fire hydrants in the parks, yeah. and you know, and uh, there are lots of lakes and stuff there too that would freeze over. So you mm-hmm. didn't have to pay to ice skate in in the upper Midwest. Yeah, that's just right. Go outside. <laughs> go outside six months of the year. You can ice skate. No. Yeah. <laughs> So as you are as a child, so you are going around the mountains and creeks and everything. Yeah. So I mean, did you find yourself uh, as a kind of curious child and thinking about how this one works, why you can slide over the ice or with a skate, or why there's a dragonfly everywhere? What were you um, that kind of kids when you were a uh, child? Pro- probably, probably not that very curious though. Mm-hmm. But I just like to uh, play with uh-huh. friends, and but actually the the one thing that different because I'm an only child in the family, uh, okay. so I don't have a lot of friends. So I have like a sort of group. I I actually used to play baseball a lot, pretty much every day, mm-hmm. but it's not that very fancy gloves and so very old. <laughs> but it's actually. Baseball plays starting from essentially like a uh, age of six or something, mm-hmm. but we don't have a team or like a U.S. It's not organized. But the go somewhere, see someone to play. Even two people, three people, sometimes eight. We I mean like a essentially like a no organization or anything. But after that, I just played by myself. It's just only. So mm-hmm. I at home. So I think that is somehow. That made me think about a lot, but I don't mm-hmm. have really curious. But I think about a lot, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I I don't I forgot everything. What <laughs> what topic I was thinking? But yeah, well, it it wasn't it wasn't uh, chemical engineering no, or chemistry. No, 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 not chemical. <laughs> but essentially, there's the I I actually love math. I mean, I I have no idea about chemical engineering or other thing, but it's I actually love the math. So it's especially. I love the math because I don't need to explain, right? So it's like everything is sort of known. If you show that procedure to solve and formulate the problem, essentially, like a, the reason I love that is actually needs only minimal explanation. That's self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's you're the, good at you're good at new language of mathematics, then. Yeah. So I I I I'm not very good at learning languages, but I I do love um, language of math. <laughs> yeah. But seems like so in Korea, I believe at at the time you got admitted to your uh, admitted to college, mm-hmm. I believe you have to choose your major before you apply for college. Yeah, that's right. So you majored in chemical engineering. Yeah, that's that right. Means that means you find some interest in chemistry somehow in some time while you're as a youth. So where did you find your interest in chemistry? So honestly, I I actually, uh, uh, I really like to go to the math in as a major, but is that somehow, I mean, this is sort of like an old, it's not actually a good kind of the advice, but it's my, the math teacher in high school, Oh, Jaylon, you can't get a job. 
<laughs> because after at that time math was not really connected to the computer yet in Korea. Uh -huh. So then and then the computer science really like uh, start to uh, uh, arise beginning sort of like uh, 87. So uh -huh. I don't know about any concept of a computer. I like the math, so I like to go, but is this is the advice math? I mean, you can't do that anything, a real job. <laughs> so then there's go to engineering type of thing. So then there's my, my dad is actually chemical engineers, oh, okay. sort of. Mm -hmm. So there's a rubber. He, he worked on rubber and others, like polymer rubbers. So I like, so I actually kind of choice either mechanical engineering or chemical engineering, which sounds like interesting for me either. So then, oh, this dad is, okay, this, I'll ask later if possible, <laughs> if something <laughs> comes up. So I choose the chemical engineering. But I didn't really focus on chemistry in chemical oh, okay. engineering. So in on, honestly, I don't, uh, I'm not very good at chemistry. Uh -huh. <laughs> You're lying. I, yeah, I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I find that I find this all the time, though. Right when when I'm talking to people who don't know about engineering or chemical engineering, they they yeah. assume I'm a chemist, and they assume that means I know chemistry. And I I you know I'm I guess I have a somewhat similar background than you. I think I'm a simulation guy and uh, in in colloidal science and stuff. And so I don't know that much about chemistry at all. Yeah. So. Ah, it, come on! <laughs> I took You're a chemical engineer. I took a few classes, you know. The yeah, chemist yeah. over here is kind of mad at me, but you know, yeah. this is kind of how it goes. Yeah. So, so we yeah. have a chemist in front of our group. So I think that's the reason why. Yeah. He's I mean, a little bit being yeah, modest. That's yeah, that's right. And I mean, Wally from, is a chemist. Yeah. From well, my and and, and, I, and I'm not very good at mathematics. Because that's the reason why computers were invented, right? So that they can do it for <laughs> yeah, that's you. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, there's the. I mean, I like. I actually like this. The idea about dog, right? So, basically, in, from my point of view, chemical engineering consists of two things. One is chemical engineering. The other one is physical engineering. So I always see mm -hmm. myself in physical engineering part of chemical engineering. Okay. Oh, yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So you know, I also study colloid and surface science. It's very close to physical chemistry, like or physical engineering. Yeah, you're, you're right. In this sense, yeah, I'm not good at chemistry either. So <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> so, but did you enjoy uh, studying chemical engineering subject when you were while you were in your college? Yeah. So I actually love all of the topic, especially. I actually very interested in fluid mechanics and thermodynamics in chemical oh, okay. engineering. I don't like reaction kinetics because the chemistry is somehow involved, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're speaking to me. You're speaking to me. This is this was my experience. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. So then a little bit of involved. So like a transport phenomena and then thermodynamics. That's the love. Uh, I don't like like a, I mean chemical engineers in under there is also a little bit of touch on organic chemistry, right? Like a polymer yeah. engineering. I mean, those are two two topics I hated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I yeah. think this is kind of refreshing because students shouldn't feel so guilty when they get into a class that's part of their major that they have to take that they're not really passionate about, right? Yeah. I mean, they can they still have to take it, but they don't really have to be passionate about that. But they do have to understand a little bit about it, and yeah, that's, that's okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I also do not like non-equilibrium state. Kinetic is all about uh, transition, so I don't like that either. <laughs> but steady state, guys. Steady yeah, state. Steady it's state. not yeah. so bad. Yeah, thermodynamics, <laughs> fluidity mechanics. Steady state. This is fun. All right. So, but where, so you probably went through four years in the in your college. Mm -hmm. Then what made you what made you decide to uh, continue your study as a graduate student? So what what was the kind of kind of mm. event? Or? I think that's the yeah. So I I remember in third uh, like a junior I had to do with some kind of team project or term project about this the unit operation understanding unit operation about this the co-generation i remember mm -hmm. as a part of the thermodynamic course chemical engineering uh -huh. thermodynamic course co-generation about the all you know the all balances right like uh, mm -hmm. operation and balances so i yep. actually really interested on that especially for the thermodynamic i think that's the really the uh, the initial tipping point i actually start to love the uh, fluid mechanics and thermodynamics so it's about balance but it's actually very interesting to see because this is actually reality right cogeneration plan is reality it is quite big and huge operation and system but it's actually get down to only several equations right i can do everything <laughs> so so that's actually beauty of this math which is sort of like i grew up plus lot of thermodynamics involved coupled with fluid mechanics so, uh, although i don't like the e eventually even the reaction kinetic part of that but okay someone can do that but <laughs> i actually love that so that's actually a point i start to uh love the fluid mechanics and thermodynamics so did, did it lead you to decide to go into the graduate school yeah because uh I asked, I mean, how can I know uh, more detail type of thing to ask question to professors? Oh, you need to go to the graduate school. Okay, so is that the only way? He said yes. <laughs> they, 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 they identified you as a nerd like the rest of us. They're like, oh, yeah, you, you want to know more. I guess you'll have to go to graduate school. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but according to your CV, what you studied as a master's student was quite different from what you have just described, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it's actually, that's fluid mechanics, but focus on the separation of the colloidal particles. So it's electrophoresis. Uh, electrophoresis okay, so and then so-called uh, capillary hydrodynamic fractionation, which is essentially mm -hmm. separating particle, but having a lot of uh, the so-called microfluidics involved, the particle motion, the lift force, and then there's the and and also combined plus with the electrophoresis, which is very well known example for the uh, the colloids migration. So for that, I didn't really do uh, the uh, because of master students. I just did a lot of experiments. Mm -hmm. So build up electrophoresis uh, device and separation device, and then try to. Uh, separate out is it calculating efficiency type of thing and then a little bit of the fluid mechanics analysis and then that's the first time i know about zero potential that's the time uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. so is it the reason why you want to study more so it seems like in the math according to your description it seems like you did a lot of 
lot of you know, handworks. Yeah, so, that's right, handworks. And then I went to the company because yeah. I, I like to feel something like a real hands-on type of experiment. And then what, what kind of the topics we are getting real money out mm -hmm. of that. But somehow, you know, there's the getting the master degree, the going to the company, Mm -hmm. I'm not really allowed to choose the topic I liked, right? Sort uh, of like mm -hmm. a allocated some kind of need base, right? So I actually went, that's why I went to this, but somehow close, related. So that's why I went to the emotion polymerization type mm -hmm. of that department. So I learned a lot of polymerization. In, in fact, I have a lot of the, the emotion polymerization and processing, get to that plastic, like a, cover uh, the re refrigerator inner liner how to make that the extrusion injection type of thing mm -hmm. so so you, how do you go from the chemicals <laughs> the individual monomers up through to a functional macro scale device or object that you could use yeah like a, essentially like a, I, I went i went to the lg chemicals so also con uh work with the lg uh like a electronics, like mm -hmm. a, yeah, like a refrigerator department, uh, the phone department. I I actually made a lot of phone case, plastic case. How uh -huh. to how okay. to make glossy, how to make non glossy, using the particle side changes type of mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, so there's reflection, uh, manipulating reflection <laughs> due to the particle, and also need to understand shrinkage because once you have a process which is 300, 400 degrees C and then getting down to the room temperature, which actually shrink and a lot of stress in it. So somehow mm -hmm. I, so I, I didn't really involve many things, but it's actually control the polymerization faster. So it's essentially changing kinetics using oh, some kind of, yeah, some kind of technique. I mean, like a manipulating initial, uh, the uh, initiator. So like, uh -huh. and also plus some tricks for that steps, how to actually putting the monomers and, uh, you know, that kind of details, very, very details. Yeah. So, so it seems like you wanted to do something you would like to do. Is that the reason why you, I mean, I believe LG Chemical paid you well, because I also got a job offer from LG Chemical yeah. as well. <laughs> so, but is that the reason why you decided to do PhD? Yeah, so, I mean, that's, at that time, from master to company, I actually worked very hard. So then that's the environment in Korea around the time. So pretty much like a eight to eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so then I actually that's sort of like a really tired of doing any experiment at all. <laughs> so then there's the, but I, but they sort of like a company kind of research environment, there's a limitation. There's like a know-how focus rather than know-why type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, I gotcha. Yeah, so then I sort of like, a, that's the main job I did is also at around that time I left the company is about coagulation of the particles. Mm -hmm. So in that case, coagulation of the polymer latexes. Yep. So those particles. So, then is actually I somehow oh I actually I need to more experiment uh do, I need to learn more and a little bit more detail because I mean that's a simple idea. 
what if I know the principle? I don't need to do this bunch of trial error, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I had I had an advisor who used to say that a day in the library can save you from a month in the lab, and just make your efforts a little bit more focused and keeping you from going down wrong roads. Yeah. So so I like to actually learn the principles involved. Mm -hmm. So so that's why there's the choose to, uh, uh, basically the pursue the PhD, in in the U.S. So you're a little bit, a little bit tired. You're a little bit worn. That's then you like to know the principle. That's the reason yeah, why you so chose peace. I'm not really like uh, the uh, uh, really intelligent, intellect oriented motion. <laughs> it's always being tired or <laughs> some kind of the blocks. So, so then actually move forward. So did you work less hour as a PhD student? Yeah, essentially yes. Oh really? Okay, yeah. that's good. <laughs> so I need to, so yeah, I need to tell my PhD students, you guys got it easy. You could have a you could have a tough job working in industry, but here you're at school. Life is easy. You know, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. So, but so did you? So I like to because our all the target audience is also graduate students. But I like to know why you chose Cornell. Did you choose, choose Cornell or Dr. Koch in Cornell? So what makes you, what drove your decision about your PhD institute or PhD advisor? Yes, for the choosing uh, choosing the uh, the uh, institution, that's really from uh, not not in depth reason at all. Essentially, I got three institution. Offered, I mean, is that is that okay to say here? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're okay, yeah. If you want us to edit it out, we can. Yeah. So then there's, I mean, U of Florida and Carnegie Mellon and Cornell. Mm -hmm. So then, I like the the colder place. Ah. <laughs> so okay. go go. Pittsburgh then, is cold enough. Yeah, and then around that time, I really like the information limited. Around that time is not website and like info yeah. oh, for yeah. professors were not very yeah. uh, is actually available. I just mm. got this the uh, like a paper booklet about oh, you're right. professors. Mm -hmm. But and that's the one reason. And another reason is about the cold place. And then only there's the uh, the 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 booklet about the like a. Department booklet is came to my town at uh, my home in Korea is only delivered. I think that's the, the other two were lost. So. Uh, <laughs> so they won the information campaign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting. All right. So it seems like you continue to study this colloid and little bit about microfluidics yeah. I mean, while you're in the PhD. Then after that, you did a postdoc at uh, Princeton. Then eventually, you went to PNL. Yeah. So with this, so did you did you know that you're gonna end up in this uh, the national lab while you were doing PhD? No. So what did you dream of no. when you were while you were a PhD student? Uh, PhD students, uh, I, I think basically I like to, I like to be a. Uh, Doing the, I like to be a person to who is doing good research, 
I don't really have PhD, uh, like a professors. I mean, it wasn't not really job linked at the beginning, but obviously by the time you actually did the thesis defense and other, so then it's actually things becomes be very serious, right? Yeah. Yep. So because I need I need to get a job because I had a, at that time has a wife and then child too because I started very late like at the age of thirty as a mm -hmm. first year graduate student. So, but I sort of like I'm sort of naive person, so I didn't think about job and anything. But I mainly focus on like a good research. So then, but it's actually looks like the professors is the one job I can do, right? I mean. For that kind of good research, and mm -hmm. then another one, I didn't know about the national lab kind of thing because I just assumed that national lab is only for U.S. citizen. But, it turned out that's not true. Okay. Completely not true. <laughs> so, and, and thank goodness it's not true. Um, I was so, at Sandia National Labs, and we had a lot of really talented people from all over the world working there. So, what about you from North Korea? Do you think you can get a job at PNNL? Uh, North Korea, you can't be here, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you just want to do a quality research. You are interested in research, you and I will keep doing real research, huh? Yeah, so basically, I mean, that's only also the another reason, basically main reason to go to the Princeton. Because previous work in my PhD is a purely simulation, but it's actually aerosol. Okay. Turbulence. And then there's the, I like to know is about a liquid, essentially colloid, essentially in liquid. And also getting some, uh, uh, like a experimental experience, sort of say, because around that time, I mean, fifth year, my grad students, things become getting serious about job. I think that having both is sort of necessary to get a job easier. Right, rather because I, I I never touched the water. I mean the water drop and anything during my PhD. <laughs> so then is at least is I'm sort of like unbalanced. Is extremely unbalanced. So, but it's actually the engineering department. I think people like to have reasonable. I mean reasonable kind of the uh, experience for both. So, I mean, that's another reason, because that group is big, I could do some kind of the experiment, but I, I end up with uh, doing nothing for the experiment. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that was my hope, but it didn't happen. Because postdoc, you're, the, there is a, like a different expectation for PhD students and postdoc. Postdoc yep. is sort of like... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's like a, the professors wants to see result quickly, right? Yep, Postdoc yep. is not going to be five years. So within two, three years max, we need to show something, I mean, as a product. So that is actually this learning experiment type of thing. I mean, that's sort of, that's the, yeah, that didn't happen. So I tried, but yeah. <laughs> All right, so now I'd like to talk a little bit more about one of your research products. Mm -hmm. So you try to, you, you want to do the research. And right now I have in front of my eyes one of your paper. It's yeah. named Interplay Between Short and Long Range Forces Leading to the Formation of Aging, the Silver Nanoparticle Super Lattice. Yeah. 
So it seems like in here your contribution is probably not experimental, is it? No. Okay. <laughs> but this, actually, this one, I actually proud of this paper. First one is I made that title. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, those are, there are many words I tip, yeah. I, I like. So like interplay, short and long range forces type of thing. Yeah. So then there's the another kind of the uh, the part I'm actually proud of is this is really like a good collaboration between experiment and then theory yes. and, and those people. So yeah, we so. influence each other. So oh. I mean, typically my style is not just the interpreting and explanation, giving explanation to the experimentalist. So the typical experimentalist first, right? Oh, we do this measurement, observation, interesting observation. Could you explain type of thing, right? So then there's the, my, especially in this work, I did, oh, there is some explanation. You need to do more experiment to prove this. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so it's like a really two ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the, another point I actually, uh, I'm proud of. Okay, so I mean, so I was, you said that there's a lot of work there. So I like, I have some question about the title. So it says, short and long range forces. What kind of forces are you talking about? This is long range forces means typical colloidal force I mentioned, like mm -hmm. a electrostatic is long range. Mm -hmm. Van der Waals force, yes, that is mm -hmm. called the short ranges, but from these contexts is long range huh. because the short range here is hydration force, mm -hmm. which is typically less than nanometer about okay. 0.5, 0.6 nanometer or so. So mm -hmm. the combination of this mm -hmm. not only determines uh, the motion of that, but also determines what is actually separation at the end in the super mm -hmm. lattice. Mm -hmm. So then essentially there's a bottom line is hydration is typically repulsive. And then the uh, vulnerable force in this case, uh, the main attractive force, those balance gives a separation between the uh, super lattice, which okay, is so yeah. interesting. What is super lattice then? Super lattice, I don't know. Maybe someone uh, someone don't like this definition, but it's uh, equilibrium uh, the equilibrium uh, the self assembled structure using nanoparticles. So that's I I I I believe I think that's actually super lattice. So it has, it seems like. Super lattice is still being uh, researched, and so people have some different opinion about super lattice. In these yeah, days. super Sorry. lattice. I I don't know, but I we more interest on how they interact, how could make the super lattice, the water forces involved, what to determine that separation, sort of like equilibrium separation in that so-called either someone called cluster and someone called super lattice. So, okay, so, so can I, so if I could just make sure I understand. So you've got a bunch of colloidal particles and uh -huh. they, you know, as they sort of settle and, and aggregate together, there's some equilibrium distance. And what yeah, you want right. to know is, you know, what's the push and pull that creates that distance. And so the pull, yeah, the right. attraction is the Van der Waals forces. Those are the mm -hmm. long range forces, so to speak. Mm -hmm. We normally think of them as short range sure, compared yeah. to like electrostatics, but Compared yeah, to right. these other forces, they're the long-range ones. And then mm -hmm. you're saying the repulsive forces are these forces that um, had to do with the hydration of the particles. So you've got the particle yeah, that has right. 
water molecules, or I don't know if the, I assume water is the solvent here. Yeah, in this case is uh, nitrate okay. anion. Okay. So you've got these nitrate anions that are solvating, you know, the outside of the particle, and and those are causing some repulsion because uh, there's I assume there's some effect of the fact that uh, they'd like to sort of uh, have a liquid order, but the interface is disturbing that order, right? And so yeah, that's, that's causing right. that that those forces, right? And so you can then yeah. tell what the right uh, distance then is between all these particles if you look at the balance of those two forces. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Doug, did you write this article? Seems like you wrote this article. <laughs> you were really understanding about this one. By the way, this article is very visual. I really like the video. So, if you, so for our uh, uh, audience, please take a look at. So please find his article in the smalljournal.com. And you can probably search for. Yeah, we can we can uh, put a link up on the on the website. Yes, so people we can will see do it. that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a very very visual paper. So, but so I like so I really like the graphics here. So, Dr. Jones, so what about you? Kind of summarize your uh, findings. So, I really I'm in, really interested about this. Yeah, the, the finding is finding is already discussed. Yeah. Uh, already discussed by Doc. <laughs> hey, look <laughs> right? at that! <laughs> yeah. So. Essentially, this these super lattice structure people try to uh, manipulate this equilibrium distance huh. because this equilibrium distance and super lattice structure is really uh, brings a lot of intriguing phenomena. Like in some cases, electron hopping and those like a separation is quite important. Hmm. So people try to use like a polymer brush or like a ligand in it to manipulate those size, whatever equilibrium size for stretching and others to manipulate this distance between them. But this one is, is actually, I would say this pretty much one of the first paper show that hydration force, hydrated ion is actually giving that separation. So that's actually one of the important things. So that's actually, uh, we believe that's actually a key point. Then another kind of point, sort of like a, as a part of series of our work. So this is, I would say, essentially like a 2010, 2020-ish version of uh, the uh, Dave Waits. Mm -hmm. <laughs> essentially the old cases, colloidal particle, you can use an optical microscope mm -hmm. and keep looking at the particle, either video or snapshots, look at the forces and you can calculate from everything from the particle trajectories for colloidal particle using optical microscope. Now we are using the nanoparticle, you can't do that. Yes. So that is actually, you need to do a special tool, in this case, in-situ TEM, in-situ liquid phase TEM. Mm -hmm. So that is actually doing by looking at, so like a really like a little bit modernized or not modernized, I still like the optical microscope, but it's actually different tool to for a uh, better suited to that nanoparticle version yeah. of the Paul Chase, either uh, like uh, Dave Waits work. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really uh, interesting and important to point out, right? Because uh, you know, as a as a simulation person, I often kind of take it take for granted, like, oh, of course they image the particles or whatever, right? And and in colloids, it's not usually that hard when it's optical microscopy, right? I mean, I don't mean to like dismiss all the people that do great work in optical microscopy. Um, but like when you have this, you know, TEM of like, 
you know, liquid phase stuff. I mean, that's hard. Those are hard experiments to do. Right. And so that's really, that's really <laughs> neat that you have, you know, the, all the images that you have, you know, you have a scale bar that's 20 nanometers. Right. And to be able to, to see that and to look at the inner particle spacing, that's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. But and you the... take advantage, sorry, you take advantage or, or take it for granted also that you can get an image in this way because what you're doing is you're shooting electrons mm -hmm. into this little cell mm -hmm. and those electrons are interacting not just with the particle but with yeah. the water molecules that are all around there too, everything else that's in there. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you can get an image from this at all is really, is really amazing. Yeah. So one thing we are sort of like uh, uh, putting into the, uh, putting on the carpet. In this paper, which is all papers in using TM is beam effect. Mm -hmm. So, so you right. point that. So then, what's actually really beam effect? So that is actually really the the get to the bottom of this question. Are we seeing real, hmm. or are we seeing real plus some artifact from beams? Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's essentially like a still uh, like ongoing question. Hmm. So then the only way we did is reduce the beam intensity to see if there is any changes right. yep. associated oh, with that. Okay. So that's the sort of like, okay, so this one is at least to minimize the beam effect, but uh, we don't really know, like quantitatively, we don't really know. Another thing is about, suppose we actually looked at optical microscope in like a 80s, 90s colloid particle. So then the particles here is not really confined. Like a, I'm talking about yep. this, the vertical yep. dimension. Yep. In terms yeah. of, with yeah. respect to particle size. Yeah, but here, it, yeah, here is actually vertical kind of the uh, uh, dimension is about um, 50 nanometer or so. And the particle is about 5 to 10 micron. And then really like uh, we already going to the confined regime. So then is actually what we are seeing is really 3D or 2D mm. sort of mixture between them. Mm -hmm. So that kind of aspect is we sort of discussed and then examined in my other paper, mm. which is like a, uh, I, we published in 2020 this year in Nature Communication about what are we, what we are seeing. So we need to actually look at 2D effect. Because particle is not moving this way, particle is moving more on this way, right? Yeah, they're more they're more confined <laughs> so then, in that two dimensional plane. That's right. right. Yeah, that's right. So we need to do that two D type of analysis. So then there's the the diffusivity is not just like a normal Stokes Einstein. We actually actually we see the very slow diffusivity huh. if we confine very like a small region. So that that's another hmm. kind of two important thing to remember when whenever you deal with institute here yeah, make it mm. face to here be yeah, but confinement yeah yeah so when when i took a look at your video i mean i i did see some particles going out of the focal plane yeah but it's, it's interesting to see that most of the particles are stay on the plane there was really interesting part yeah there is actually pretty much close to the the bottom membrane mm-hmm which is silicon nitride membrane in normal uh -huh. in situ TM. Mm -hmm. So that's why there's typically has a like a 2D kind of aspect. Mm -hmm. But it's actually I mean that's sort of like a, another thing we need to actually explore. So mm -hmm. then the what are the forces? Uh, what are the but it's actually the the problem is we don't know about their separation. 
from the yeah, bottom yeah. because yeah, this is sure. essentially 2D map of the Institutium. We don't know about this. The, yeah, you guys, uh, you, like you need to invent. You need to invent confocal TEM or whatever. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that's a good I, idea. Yeah, I think this. I didn't mention that, but John uh, in the seminar mentioned that about the machine learning aspect, right? So this is another place machine learning could actually play a role because you do see a lot of imaging analysis, uh, right? Yeah. Yep. So we did the manually. Oh, this is <laughs> terrible. That's why. That's why you have. That's why you have new graduate students. You have the first year graduates. Yeah. Well, you don't know anything yet, but you can look at these images and count particles, right? Yeah. So then, it's, where is the edges? Because we do care about separation. Is really depending on the definition of edges yeah. or the peripheral line. Mm -hmm. So this is really tricky. So yeah, and if if anyway, that, if you had some uh, automated process, right, you could then change your definition a little bit and see if that actually changes your answer, right? Because you want to mm -hmm, make it, mm -hmm. you know, somewhat methodology agnostic, right? Like you wouldn't want to have to have one graduate student count the particles and then you get a different graduate student they count the particle edges differently and all of a sudden your results yeah. all change, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it is interesting that. It's a, in the UC Berkeley, in the chemical department, they are hiring some chemical professor who has a experience in machine learning. Learning, mm -hmm. So, I mean, definitely machine learning is coming into chemical engineering as well. Because, oh, because of all these kind of data analysis and everything. Yeah, that's, sometimes that's the, uh, that's the one I don't like the chemical engineering. So, it's so many things, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much yeah. to, to do. I think yeah. that's the reason why we can keep our job. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been said that science is the systematic oversimplification of things. Yeah. And, you know, engineering maybe then is the systematic taking everything in its complexity and, and putting it all together. Mm -hmm. All right. So, actually, I prepared more questions, but the, unfortunately... Actually, dog summarized everything. So <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I just wanted to understand. <laughs> so uh, we have a last question for you, Doctor John. Mm -hmm. So this is our kind of final question. Mm -hmm. So let's say you can go back to your uh, when you are at 20 years old, then you can you can start all these things over. But let's say that you have a freedom to choose whatever field you like. Yeah? Then, mm. if you can do that, what are you going to choose? But you cannot choose chemical engineering or chemistry. So, if you want to start everything over, let's say today, as a 25 year old, so five, mm. 25 years old, so what would you like to major? What interests you most in these days? Mm. You have to do the PhD again. What yeah. would you major? I think there's the, I would do more, uh, probably applied math. Oh, okay. So, do you think or, you can get money out yeah. of it? Uh, yeah, because I do. I do see way to get your job. Okay. <laughs> applied math or applied physics. Oh. Okay. Either. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. I mean, personally, if you go get down this kind of topic, nano, other, so yeah. then obviously you start to bump into quantum. Yes. Aspect. Mm. So I sort of honestly feel I don't have enough knowledge to do that. I mean, obviously these days no one needs to have needs to know everything, right? So have it, that's the collaboration comes in. But somehow 
to be a to get a to uh be that collaboration is very effective you need to know at least the reasonable depth of the knowledges right mm. so so that's why they do feel uh maybe apply physics okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right thank you so much for your time today it has been really even this paper is really interesting i really highly recommend for our audience to take a look at these videos in the graphics here we thank you again and well then i hope you can have a more kind of interesting results with your other papers thank you okay. for us today thank you yeah thank you. Really, so good to have you yeah. here yeah good yeah. too Thank you for listening to this episode of How Science Happens with your hosts Wally Paxton, DJ So, and Doug Tree. For more information about the podcast, the hosts, or our guests, please visit our website at bit.ly slash howscience. For additional comments or questions, we can be reached by email at howscience at byu.edu.